Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, if you've got your Bible, we're going to go. I'll have only one scripture today. And um, that may not be indicative of how long the message is going to go, so don't get too excited. All right. No, no. We, we, we're doing baptism today. Yeah. Uh, baptism, yes. Yep. Uh, so uh, both services, we're doing baptism this morning, and um, we're just going to be celebrating um, just people who are saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going public with uh, my faith in Jesus and what he's done in, in my life, and so we want to celebrate that. So we're going to do that in just a little bit. But if you got your Bible, we're going to go to Psalm chapter 145 today is where we're going to start and, and end. Um, now, there was a guy that uh, just a few weeks ago I went uh, to, I guess it was, it was like a, um, not a conference, it was like a one-day conference type deal, and uh, the guy who was there, his name is Benny Tate, and he's a pastor at Rock Springs Church uh, just south of Atlanta, um, and been there for a number of years, and has uh, probably over 30 years been the pastor of that church, and so he's seen that church make a lot of change, and so um, this is this is what he said in in that that conference he said um he, had the, he just asked us he says what is the greatest threat to the future of your success he said the greatest threat to the future success is your current success your greatest threat to your future success is your current success and and he started to explain kind of how he's as he's been pastor of this church for about 30 years that um it there is this temptation to when you have good things happen or good times or good moments that you try to camp out at that one place, at that one experience, you know, and, and growing up in church, I've seen this happen, uh, that when, you know, maybe you see a church that, you know, they have, you know, maybe, you know, 1975 was just, man, this was an amazing year for our church. You know, they tried to stay in 1975 for the duration of the life of that church. And what you find is this, is that when you do that, you actually limit the life of the church. Because churches have a lifespan. If you, if you didn't know that, churches have a lifespan. There's, there's many churches who, who have this longer lifespan than others. And the ones that have a longer lifespan than others are the ones who know how to change. And so change is a part of life. Change is a part of, of just us being able to look into the future and say, listen, God is carrying us somewhere, and where God is carrying us is going to require us to see change. Amen? And so, you know, we can, we can try to stay in, in one period of time and say, that was an awesome period of time. I wish we could just live there. And if you try to do that, what you do is you shortcut any future that you'll have. And I don't want to do that. I want to continue to be the people that God is calling us to be. I want to continue to be the church that God is calling us to be. And so we're starting a series of messages this morning called Generations. And Generations uh, is really this, the idea for this message series is for us to look at every phase and stage of life and to honor that and to celebrate it. Um, and it's not just saying, hey, older folks, you know, look at the younger generation. Let's celebrate them. Young people, let's look at those who have gone before us 
and honor what they've done. And and I'll be 46 this year, and so I feel like I'm kind of, I'm still supposed to say, you ain't young, buddy. I feel like I'm still, I'm still there, you know, I'm still kind of in between these two worlds, and that, um, that the older that I get, I, I, I'm looking at how grateful I am for the people who have allowed me to be where I'm at today. But I have this deep sense of mission for those who are coming behind me and what I've got to do to make sure that they're successful and to leave something behind that is lasting. You know, we, we may want people to remember our name long after we're gone. Our name is much less memorable than the legacy that we'll leave behind. I pray to God that, you know, even my grandkids, maybe they may not know my name, but but or my great-great-grandkids, hopefully my grandkids' kids will know my name, you know, but my great-great-grandkids, let's get a little down, down the line a little bit, all right? My great-great-grandkids, you know, they may not know much about me at all, but I hope that what they do know about me is that there's a faith that I passed along to their grandparents, and then that got passed along to their parents. And so, so this, this series of generations, it's kind of it's going both ways. It's, it's, it's looking ahead and it's looking behind. It's honoring where we've come from, but it's looking ahead to what it's going to require for us to make the next generation successful. And so that's what the next few weeks is about. And I think doing baptism today, we're going to get a chance to baptize some adults. We're going to get a chance to baptize some children. And so I think today is very appropriate in how we're kicking this off. Now, every generation, everyone belongs to a generation, okay? Everyone belongs to a generation. And so I don't know what generation you belong to, and you may not want to cry out or raise your hand on any of these generations. You may just say, well, I'm in there somewhere, and I'll let you try to figure that out. But the generations are as follows. You have the silent generation. The silent generation is the generation that was born between 1925 and 1945. Uh, these people are going to be between the 80s and 90-year-olds. Um, the baby, baby boomer generation is between 1946 and 1964. Uh, generation X is my generation. These were the people born between 1965 and 1979. Then you have the millennials. The millennials are a group maybe you're hearing a lot about or maybe uh, you've heard them called Generation Y. The millennials are the ones who have been born between 1980 and 1994. Then you have Generation Z. Generation Z are, is the generation that was born between 1995 to 2012, all right? And then you have a brand new generation that we're starting to see come on there, and and the oldest of this generation is about eight years old. And so Generation Alpha is uh, is this generation born uh, at 2013 to the present. And so we see that there are six generations that are really kind of represented right now in, in our society, six generations of people that, and you may have some that say, well, they skew a little bit older than that, but there's not many. There's not many. And so there's six generations that are roughly make up where our society is at. And, and you just need to know this, that, that generational tension is real. 
okay? There is, uh, there is a tension between the generations at times, and generational tension is real, and, uh, and generational tension tends to move us away from each other. It tends to move us away because we say, well, they don't know what we're going through, or they, 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 we, uh, we have these assumptions that we come up with, right? We have these assumptions that, well, maybe they're lazy, you know, or they're, they, they don't know what they're doing. My goodness, they're, they're so entitled, you know, or, oh, they're so old, they're so out of touch, you know. They still have a VCR that blinks 12, you know, and I say that some people are like, what's a VCR, right? And, and so he's like, you know, it's, yeah, okay, I'll explain it to you later. Google it, right? Somebody says, what's Google, right? And so there, there is this tension between generations, um, and this tension has a tendency to move us away from each other. Now, all of these generations, um, something to be said about them is they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And so I want to just kind of roll through this real quick, what the strengths and weaknesses for each generation that we see uh, that is represented. So the silent generation, the silent generation, their strengths are this. They're consistent and they're disciplined. That they are consistent. If they told you something, you could just you about count on it. They're consistent and they're disciplined in, in how they've lived their life because they live their life by a set of rules and, and they're great with the rules. The weaknesses of the silent generation is this, is that they don't like change, right? And many of us, we don't like change. And then you move to the next generation. This next generation were the baby boomers, the baby boomers coming out of World War II. Uh, and you saw a lot of prosperity in America. You saw uh, this, this group of, of kids that are kind of raised this uh, post-World War II era. And their strengths are they are team players and they're hard workers, uh, they they are they they're team players they 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 will they will work good in that team and they're hard workers they're they're just going to work as 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 hard as they can the weaknesses are they don't like change <laughs> and they dislike conflict can can you see a little bit of a a little bit of a pattern that's happening here uh, they don't like change the previous generation didn't like change this generation doesn't like change but this generation doesn't like conflict right? Generation X comes on the scene, and that I'm an Xer, and so Generation X comes on the scene, and our strengths are this, that, you know what? Maybe we don't like change, but we adapt well to change. Generation X was a generation that saw a generation that began to adapt well to change. Uh, my generation was eager to learn, uh, and, and we had to be flexible, uh, generation X is an educated generation. Uh, you have a lot more people who are finishing uh, school and, and they're going on to college and they're finishing advanced degrees. And so Generation X is a, is a generation uh, that is educated. But the thing that we have in our weakness about Generation X is this, is that uh, we dislike authority. You know, we, we, we don't like people telling us what to do, Right. Uh, and, and maybe you say, man, maybe I don't follow that generation, but I, I kind of I kind of resonate with that a little bit. Maybe maybe you we you feel that, you know, my generation is a generation that dislikes authority. We kind of reject the rules, so to speak, where the silent generation was very good with the rules. You know, there's a set of rules. We live by those rules. Generation X gets there and they say, you know what, we're not playing by the rules anymore. We 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 
we don't like the authority uh, authority figures. We we rejecting the rules. And another weakness with my generation is this: is that we have this consumer mentality, and that we consume things. And and in church, it has happened like that too. We become consumers of church. You found that pe- people in Generation X, um, we were a lot less dedicated to church, or maybe the same church as what the previous generation was. Maybe that previous generation, that's the church that they grew up in. You saw Generation X became a much more flexible and mobile generation when it came to church that we float in, we flow out, we flow in and flow out. And so we have a consumer mentality. And so that's Generation X. That's my generation. Then you have the millennials. And I know there's a lot of hate right now that millennials get uh, but guys, I'll be honest with you, probably there's a lot of things that we have in common with millennials. It's easy for us to throw stones at millennials. All right, so maybe we, we don't dress exactly like they do, right? But, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think that we have in common. See, millennials, the strengths of a millennial generation is this, is that they're collaborators. And you're, you, you see that they are, have a tendency to want to work together. They are an extremely educated group of of people this uh generation has so much information at their fingertips they're collaborators they're educated they're actually an optimistic generation they they have a a better outlook about the future and then their weaknesses are this they're inexperienced right (laughs) right these are those who uh who maybe they are trying to to figure out what life is going to look like uh, but they, they don't quite have the experience that the previous generation does. Uh, the article I was reading this morning says they're really brain smart. Uh, they may not have the skills, though, to execute on certain things. And so they're extremely smart, but they're inexperienced in, in some skills. They lack structure, and they tend to be impatient. And that's what that millennial generation, it, it, it's a little bit of a profile for them. And so don't feel slighted on everybody. There's a little bit of offense to go around for each generation. Don't worry about it. Then you have Generation Z, 1995 to 2012. Uh, they all have been considered, they are like millennials on steroids. All right? <laughs> Generation Z. All right, those who were born between 1995 and 2012, you're just, uh, this is the strengths that, that you have. This generation, they value relationships. It's a good thing, right? They value relationships, and they seem to be very accepting. They value honesty. They don't like hypocrisy. And it seems like they will see right through your your junk, right? Don't feed them a line because they will see it, and they do not value hypocrisy at all. And so this generation, they value relationships. They value honesty. Uh, they're, uh, they are a show-me generation. Show me the evidence. Don't just tell me this, and I should believe it. Tell me and show me the evidence of why I should believe this. Because if you don't show me the evidence, I don't know that I'm going to believe this. That's what this generation that's coming along, they want to see the evidence. They are a, they're kind of like the Missouri, they're the show-me state, right? All right? And so they, they want to see the evidence. And they are a self-educated group. And what do I mean by that? They have so much at their disposal 
uh, all the technology that they have at their disposal, they are right there at their fingertips. Where we used to have to go to the library and use the Dewey Decimal System to find a book. Anybody, have you used the Dewey Decimal System? Raise your hand, okay? Some of you are like, who's Dewey? And I don't know that his decimal system, right? All right, so I, I remember that. I remember going to a library and actually having to find a book and, and, and do the research that way. They are a generation that has all that information at their fingertips. It's amazing. My sons, they, they, I, I get on them about, yeah, you're, you're on your phone a lot and you're watching YouTube. But they will come and tell me stuff. It's like, Dad, did you know this? And they start telling me stuff. I'm like, where did you learn this? The YouTube. Well, they don't say the YouTube. I say, oh, the YouTube because I'm of a different generation. They're learning things on their own. They're educating themselves on their own because they have so much at their fingertips. The thing about this generation, though, that this, and this is something, guys, this is where we're at, and this is what those of us who are older in the room need to realize at this, with this generation. The weaknesses of this generation is they can be very empathetic, but their empathy can overwhelm their morality. Their empathy can overwhelm their morality in the sense that uh, they, they don't do well with confrontation, and it makes them shy away from making any kind of judgment call. And so it's kind of, well, I'm just going to kind of let it roll out and let's not confront it. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do with someone is confront something. Amen? And so this is the differences in the generation. You say, well, there's one more generation. Yes, that generation alpha from 2013, uh, this is all I got to say about them. At the most, they're eight years old, guys. Okay? (laughs) That kind of explains a lot, right? They're, right, they're eight years old. No, and they're, they're developing. They're coming along, and, and we're going to talk actually more about this generation as we go along. Actually, when we get to June 6th, I'm so excited about June 6th. It's our next family Sunday, and they're, we're going to all be together. And this is intentional because we, we have done this in years past, and it's something that we think is important, that we need to have times and moments and experiences where we worship together, where our kids are hearing us pray. They're seeing us sing. We're showing them, not just telling them about faith. We're showing them what faith looks like. And so that is important where we're at today. And so the scripture I want to get to is this, is Psalm chapter 145. And I want us to go to Psalm chapter 145. We're going to read uh, just uh, verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 4. I I wrote it down wrong in my notes. I'm so glad you have the right thing up there. Genesis, uh, Genesis, I'm all over the place. This is my generation, right? Psalm 145.4, this is what it says. One generation shall commend or praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, what I love about Scripture is this is that it just doesn't say, you know what, there's one way for old folks to live, there's one way for for little kids to live, there's one way for those middle-aged folks to live. It says, listen, there's a, a way that we can come together. 
there's a way that life looks like where you don't have to have the generational tension that pulls you away. Actually, if we begin to learn how to honor one another, we can have that generational aspect that draws us together where we look and say, thank you for where you've brought me. Thank you for the what you've poured into me. Thank you. It allows us to look and stand on the shoulders of the past generations and honor that past, but also look forward and say, all right, God, where do you want to carry us and what is this going to look like and and what kind of people do we need to be going forward and moving forward to reach this next generation and to do this i I think this this the scripture right here it just it, it kind of pulls us together and this is really kind of our theme scripture for this entire series one generation shall commend your works to another and I think a lot of times when I've read this this passage, I've always I'm always thinking about this in the reverse, that one generation is kind of looking back and it's commending. Hey, I'm, I'm always looking back. But why do I always do that? I think that's just because it's my generational bias that that, you know, maybe there's not so much that I can learn from another generation. But I started reading the scripture a little bit different way. It doesn't mean that it can't go the other way. It doesn't mean that the younger generation can't commend his mighty works to me. And I think that's what we saw in a little bit of the Raina's message last week in what she talked about with Mother's Day. And she, she just honored her mom. And she honored her mom in such a way where she talked about her mom just kind of pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. But I also know that Raina was... was persistent about her mom taking her to, to church. Raina wanted to go to church, and so Raina's persistence kind of pushed her mom to take her to church. And so there is this kind of this, this back and forth that we get. And, and so with this scripture, there's a back and forth that we can have. What's your generation commending to the next generation? What's your generation commending to the generation ahead of you or behind you? Because we're all in a generation, and so one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, I'm 45 years old. I'll be 46 in just a couple months. And when I'm looking at this, there's a couple things that I think that we have to do. I think first off is, is we have to make room. We have to make room for each other, and we have to make room and allow for each other uh, to have failures. When we make room for, for their failure, we will also make room for their redemption. I don't know how many people in my life that I've looked ahead at and I've had heroes. And how many of our heroes maybe have we seen that have fallen? But you know something about heroes? They're people too. And that's the thing. The older that I get, I think about people like my dad. My dad wasn't, wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. To me, he seemed perfect. To me, he was Superman who could do anything. And the older that I get, I realize, you know, yeah, my dad had, you know, kinks in the armor, and he, there were a lot of things that probably he didn't get right. I remember my dad, I, I laughed at him one day, and, and he would call me up. I was his IT guy, his, his, his tech guy. And my dad called me up. And uh, he says, son, he said, I think I just deleted the Internet. I said, oh, my goodness, Dad, if, you, if you've deleted the Internet, there's going to be a lot of people who are upset with you. 
And what he had done was deleted his internet browser icon from his desktop, right? And I had to help him retrieve the internet, you know, from the delete file, all right? And so, you know, there, there is this, there is these things you begin to see, you know, and, but I want to be able to see, I want us to be able to make allowances going both ways. Guys, the generation ahead of us, maybe they didn't always get it right. You know what? Our generation's not always going to get it right. And one thing, as a dad, I'm having to remind myself, my sons aren't always going to get it right. And, and there's a tendency for me to be so hard because I don't want them to fail. I don't want them to mess up. I want them to be better than me. I want them to go farther than me. I want them to do way more than me. And so when I see them mess up, I can oh, I have this tendency sometimes to be hard. And I have to remind myself, you've got to make room for their failure. Because if I don't make room for them to fail now, there's no place for them to find redemption later. And see, Scripture reminds us of this in, 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 in Galatians, and I didn't give you this one, but it talks about making room for each other's faults, you know. And we do. We have to make room for each other's faults. And that's not saying, you know what, I'm just going to excuse every fault that you have. I'm going to, you know what, no, it's, it's not that we're just trying to patty cake sin or patty cake mistakes, but it's knowing that we are fallen people. We are people who are flawed, and I am going to make room for your flaws and room for you to grow. And so if we did this, if we made room for each other's flaws, if we made room for each other's mistakes, that when we say, well, you didn't always get it right, Dad. You didn't always get it right, Mom. Son, you didn't always get it right. Daughter, you didn't always get it right. If we're making room for that, we will make room for redemption in our homes. We'll make room for there to be reconciliation in our relationships. We'll make room for there to be forgiveness going forward and coming behind us. And that's what I want to see. I want to see forgiveness flowing both ways, ahead of us and behind us, where we become people of forgiveness, people of redemption, people that we say, you know what, we're, we're not perfect but we are in this journey together, and we are people who are willing to commend God's mighty works ahead of us and behind us. What does that look like? When we make room for their failure, we also make room for their redemption. This is how I'm going to close right here. I'm going to ask guys, you come come play, and because and, we, we've got baptism that, that we're going to get to. But I just want to give you real quick, there's three things I think that we can do to help this. Three things I think that we can do. And so this is just some kind of generational advice that, that I would give this morning. The first thing is this. Listen before you lecture. Listen before you lecture. I have lectures ready to give out. I'm a lecturing machine. I can lecture with the best of them, right? Right? I thrive on lectures, but what I need to know, and I have to remind myself every day, and I get this wrong and probably have gotten this wrong this past week, is I've got to listen. I've got to be willing to listen. And sometimes I'm too quick to say, stop. 
So I've got to listen before I dive into my lecture. Second thing I think that we need to do is this. I think we need to hear them out before we tune them out. If you're of a younger generation, hear them out. Hear them out. There's a reason that we have fears because we've seen what can happen. We see where people can go off the track. We've seen where people can have jumped off the rails. And so there's these fears that we have. And so, listen, just hear us out. You may not agree with us, but just hear us out before you tune us out. Listen before you lecture. Hear them out before you tune them out. And the last thing is this. Find a common praise. Find a common praise. And that's what I love about this scripture when we read it says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You know, one of my favorite times with my family is it's when we're, we like, like, obviously, we like to sing. She sings all the time. I, I love to sing. I'm not good at it, but I like to sing. Um, our boys, they'll even sing. Probably one of my favorite times is just being in the car and us singing the same tune when we're all singing the same song. It's so simple. It, it's not even like we're at our destination. It's just like the trip to the destination, right? It's like the journey on the way there. But it's one of those times where sometimes we'll start singing this, whatever song it is, we'll start singing the song. Usually it's me and Raina. And then we'll kind of quiet down a little bit because we'll hear them coming from the back seat and she'll just kind of look over at me and smile. And we're all chiming in together. To me, that's one of the most beautiful times. Because we're all singing the same thing. You know what I love about church? Is that we can come in here and we can sing the same song of praise. We can find the same common ground. We can find a praise that is common between all of us. One generation shall Proclaim your mighty works to another. Can we do that today? Can we do that this morning? Can we proclaim a common praise together? Will you stand with us? And while we do this, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our baptism candidate. We're going get, to be getting ready for that. But I want them to lead us in some worship. And I want us to sing together old and young let's sing the same song of praise can we do that through every heartbreak through every battle through every circumstance I believe that you are my fortress you are my portion you are my hiding place I believe you are the way the truth the life I believe you are the way the truth the life I believe you 
Awesome. 